0: Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of trade to black. I'm your host, Shad Dales. And what do I mean by special edition over the next couple of weeks, once per week, we're going to dive into specific cannabis markets and where they are right now, what they're forecasted to grow. And some of the leading companies in individual States, we'll do a deep dive and better understanding what those markets are. So what are we focusing on today? The Pennsylvania market, who are the biggest leaders? How will it grow? Will we see adult use? We're going to dive deep into that in today's podcast, so let's get right to it and welcome in TDR co-host, Anthony Varel, excited to dive into this market and provide some insight as to where things currently sit right now.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, what prompted this was uh, some of the comments or some of the posts that were on Twitter. Um, I had a preconceived notion that some operators were doing better um, than Pennsylvania come out to actually find that I was completely wrong. Uh, which is good. Learn from, learn from other people, learn from your mistakes, and then really get a handle and take a data-driven approach into figuring out what's what. And I mean, I look forward to diving into Pennsylvania. Yeah, that'd
0: be good. So our third host and guest in these podcasts each week, and we thought about who would be a good uh, person to dive into this. No better person than CEO of New Lake Capital, Anthony Codiglio. Good to see you, sir. Happy, happy week. Hope you're well and excited to do these podcasts with you.
2: Doing great. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to dive into this. We we kind of yeah. geek out here at New Lake, understanding markets and some of the market dynamics.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you know a lot of viewers have gotten a chance to know you over the last couple of months with you being a regular and kind of a correspondent with us here at TDR. But one of the main reasons why we wanted to have you on for this specific kind of podcast is the... Strong amount of exposure in the market of Pennsylvania that you've executed over $100 million in lease back transactions that include seven properties. Some of those include some of the partners you work with are Trueleaf, Air Wellness, Cureleaf, some real good leaders among others. So when we look at this market, some of the common questions we get asked about it is who are the top operators What does the medical, uh, you know, landscape look like? What are the prospects of adult use and the probabilities of it all? So as we take a deep dive and before we get into all that, first question is, why is Pennsylvania such an important and hot market in the overall landscape of the cannabis industry?
2: Yeah, I'd say that um, it's important because they have a significant medical market. Um, A larger than normal percentage of of the population is registered with medical card in the state of Pennsylvania, which makes it an attractive state to operate in when you couple that with the fact that it's more limited license um, in terms of the number of cultivators and the number of dispensaries. And so operators generally viewed it as an attractive place to try to plant the flag with the expectation that adult use on this very populous state will be unleashed at some point in the near future.
0: Do we know what's the number that we have right now as far as uh, registered patients within the state? Question for both of you. have that? It's like almost like five percent of
1: the state's population, is it not? it, yes. it is it is about around about five percent of the state's population. So yeah,
2: have about four and a half. it's it's a little somewhere between four and a half and five percent of the state's population is uh, is registered there.
0: okay. So let's look at this market. And the first question I have to ask is like, Many investors are asking what are the top five operators and let's outline that in the state when it comes to overall revenue.
2: Yeah. When you look at, when you look at some of the top operators in revenue, some of the recent data coming out would tell you that it's GTI, Cureleaf, uh, and Cresco rounding out the top three. Um, and then others would say, I think holistic might be up there in the, in the top five as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's a mix of folks that are now have a national footprint, as well as folks that uh, don't have as large a national footprint as, say, relief does.
1: Yeah. And, yeah so, so, I mean, Anthony, ahead. I know that you, you've deployed it up to about nine figures into the state. I mean, what are some unique characteristics of the Pennsylvania market that you identified that drove that investment thesis home and really uh, put pen to paper and uh, deployed capital into these assets? Yes.
2: Yeah. So, so first, yes, we do have a lot of uh, investment in the state of Pennsylvania. We have seven properties, four dispensaries and three are cultivation facilities. And when you look at the way um, the state of Pennsylvania regulates alcohol, very, very restrictive. And we thought that really set up a very controlled market environment that had a better operating environment for, for the operators, given a more limited license approach. So in Pennsylvania, for those that don't know, in order to buy liquor, you have to go to a state owned package store. Um, to purchase liquor and so it's very, very controlled. And so the way the state actually developed from from inception was um, structured to have a set of cultivators and a set of dispensaries and really limit the ability to be vertically integrated in the state. And so it gave those independent dispensaries access to a broad set of products from cultivators and it gave cultivators a broad set of dispensaries to sell into. Well now, as we know over the last few years, Um, operators were able to figure out a way to amalgamate dispensaries and become vertically integrated. And so what's happened over the last few years from when we got into it, is it's critically important today to have vertical integration in the state and to be able to sell through your product. Um, So it's evolved. So it's a combination of limited license, large population, and significant penetration of the uh, medical market that teed it up for us as an attractive place to put our capital.
1: Mm -hmm. With the the state-run liquor stores, do you foresee any sort of more stringent regulations coming to the market if adult use is to get implemented? I
2: don't. I mean, there'll always be added stuff that legislators will want as they're looking through a legislative process, which is what uh, Pennsylvania is going through. It wouldn't likely be a ballot process. This really is probably going to be legislative. So there'll always be some stuff that legislators um, put on the table. But I think it would be too difficult to convert this market from what it is today to something that's a little bit more state run. Um, I think if you look at New Hampshire and how difficult that state is, which again, regulates alcohol similarly to Pennsylvania, that legislator is struggling with the, the thought of actually having something state run. In terms of more limitations on form factors, always a possibility, but the fact that four of the five states surrounding Pennsylvania already have adult use, um, without significant restrictions necessarily. I think that's going to put a real limit on how much the legislators can, can tweak with the rules and the form factors and what uh, the regulations are.
0: When we look at door counts, um, you know, obviously retail is an important part of a model, but so is wholesale. And when I look at this wholesale market in leaders in the, the actual state itself, it appears or assuming right now, based on latest numbers, Cresco Labs has quite the market share when it comes to wholesale in Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah. And you know, whenever we look at these numbers, um, I think it's important to understand what different people's strategies are and what their footprint is and what products they have in a particular state, because what works for one company in one state doesn't necessarily work for a company um, in another state. And so, Mm Uh, I think you know when I look at cultivation, it's about how many stores, how many stores can you get into with your product. Now, the MSOs have a general advantage over independence because they have the ability to trade shelf space with other MSOs. And so if you put me in your dispensary in Massachusetts, I'll put you on my dispensary shelf in Pennsylvania. And so there is, okay. as I hear from the industry, there's a lot of that horse trading going on. And so that yeah. could allow uh, in a state like Pennsylvania, a large MSO like a Cresco, particularly one that's been very wholesale focused through its history, um, to have a lion's share or a significant presence in the wholesale market. Um, whereas, if you were to look at, say, True which has the most dispensaries in the state, they're probably not selling as much wholesale. They're selling into their own dispensaries, and so um, you know it really depends on how you look at it and how yeah. they're how they're structured, vertically integrated or a meaningful wholesale business.
1: Do you see some, do you see some companies from a dynamics perspective, like strategically holding off on wholesale, waiting for adult use, and then they just start to flow through that product into their own retail locations and then bolster wholesale with the excess that they can't offtake through their own dispensaries?
2: Yeah, that that's happening in in Pennsylvania and even in other markets where people are turning off some of the capacity in their cultivation um, ahead of adult use. And in fact, if you were to look at Missouri, as a good test case for this, there was a lot of cultivation capacity that was developed in anticipation of yeah. adult use. And a lot of that capacity was left idle until adult use was, um, uh, was passed and was activated. And I think you're seeing that in Pennsylvania as well. I think a lot of folks have, um, shuttered portions of their cultivation capacity.
0: Yeah. Speaking of adult use, like we all know that once this passes, well, first question I I should probably ask, do you think it's going to pass? Many believe it does. But where does that current ballot sit within the judicial system?
2: Yeah, it's and it's squarely in the legislature and Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania has it in his budget for legalization for his next budget. And he actually in his state of the state and his budget, excuse me, his budget presentation um, talks specifically about legalizing adult use cannabis. Um, It's hard to call. It's hard to call because the majority in the legislature in Pennsylvania is so razor thin. I think it's one or two legislatures, legislators um to create the majority and so i think there's growing momentum for it but it's really really hard to call i do believe that ultimately it will occur whether it's this legislature or the next one i think it will occur because pennsylvanians are getting their uh cannabis without a medical card from one of two sources they're getting it either from an adjacent state or from the illicit market and i think the state legislators are going to realize sooner rather than later it's better for them to have those sales in the state of Pennsylvania capturing that tax revenue and making sure that Pennsylvanians can buy from Pennsylvanian operators.
1: Yeah. So, so speaking of speaking of the adult use conversion, I mean, one thing that I've seen in several markets, they do tend to up the number of licenses that are available. I mean, are you hearing anything at the legislature level or within any of your por- portfolio companies that there might be incremental licenses that come to market as a result of adult use passing?
2: Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of talk about this. Um, and I think we should expect additional licenses to come on. And in fact, um, over the last six months, I think it was, it was either November or December, um, Pennsylvania added additional dispensary licenses to some of the um, cultivation only uh, licenses. The way they rolled out the initial program is they had cultivators, cultivator licenses, they had dispensary licenses, and then they had these clinical registrant licenses, which were supposed to be the only ones that had vertical integration. Um, Some of the independent wholesalers that didn't have, um, that didn't have dispensaries were at a deficit, not having the ability to be vertically integrated. And the state recently awarded each one of those independent processors. one license which allows three dispensaries each so they recently expanded the number of dispensaries and i think with the growth in that industry even though there's 25 cultivation licenses today with um um, with 177 i believe active dispensaries i think the state will actually expand the number of dispensaries and maybe expand um but to a lesser extent the number of cultivators okay i
1: mean one thing or go ahead chad
2: no i
0: I was going to say, like when we look at this state, GTI, Cureleaf, Trueleaf, Air, um, on paper, would you say currently right now this is the most competitive state in the country when you factor in a lot of the big players that are uh, uh, situated within it?
2: Um, I, I don't know if I would say it was the most competitive. It certainly has one of the largest concentrations of MSOs in the state, but it's hard to say that this state is more competitive. Than say a California or a Massachusetts or or some other states or uh, or in Arizona, um, so yeah, I don't know how one would compare that, but I would say that the names that you mentioned, you like think of the states where you have most of the major MSOs. It would be a Pennsylvania. It would be a Florida. Yeah, right? that's where you're seeing a lot of the MSOs um, um, plant a flag.
1: So one thing that we've talked about with you on several occasions has been has been diligence. Um, with a market like Pennsylvania, I mean, walk us through the diligence process that you go through really going, entering a market like that. And I mean, keying in on what we were just speaking about, how do you forecast for incremental licensure on, let's say an adult use conversion event? Is that something that you do, especially with the duration of the leases that you're entering into with your tenants?
2: Yeah, we really roll up our sleeves. We create a lot of models and a lot of projections, um, And we try to look back at history and look at other states to understand how the states will evolve in an adult use capacity. But it's really, really important to not only provide those overlays, but to really understand the state itself and how we think that state's licensing will evolve and how the business will evolve. Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, when you look, let's stay with Missouri for a moment. When you look at Missouri from a cultivation perspective, pre-adult use, you know we sized the amount of canopy that was built out before adult use, and most of the uh, canopy was in place and available before that ballot initiative was passed. And so when some folks were looking for expansion capital, we had a really discerning eye on where we would put expansion capital, worried that people would overbuild and not be able to find um, not be able to find buyers for that extra product. Compare that to Connecticut where that adult use market turned on and there's just not enough cultivation capacity in Connecticut. And so they need more. And so we're looking at those dynamics, but it's not just cultivation. I think one of the best examples is looking at dispensaries and understanding the license. Let's stay with Missouri for for a moment. When you think about the licensing in Missouri, they were given out for dispensaries into uh, I believe it was eight regions and the regions were based on counties. And a lot of people wanted to be in the St. Louis region, be right around that St. Louis area. Um and people didn't always focus on the Kansas City region. And so when you think of when we thought about it, we looked at it and we said, well if you're in the St. Louis region, You've got about 300 to 350,000 people in the, in the St. Louis uh, area on the Missouri side of the border. Um, and that region had 60 dispensary licenses. Go west and take a look at Kansas City that had 24 licenses in that region. And who's on the other side of the Kansas City border? Um, yeah. It's Kansas, which it's yeah. illegal. So when you look at the population... Yeah of uh for those 24 dispensaries it was roughly 600,000 individuals for 24 dispensaries and then you look over at roughly 300,000 population for 60 dispensaries it made a lot more sense for the folks that were eyeing the Kansas City region versus the St. Louis not to say they wouldn't be successful there but it's understanding those dynamics that allow us to make some predictions about what the level of sales will be, what the level of revenue and what the level of margin could be for those dispensaries.
1: So let's key in a little bit more on dynamics. I mean, I know that we talked about the penetration of Pennsylvania being quite high um, with the medical market, somewhere between four and a half to 5%. I mean, a lot of the conversation right now is Pennsylvania should have explosive growth on adult use. Florida, which is another market that has high penetration from a medical perspective, should have explosive growth. On adult use. I mean, a lot of people are thinking that these markets are going to mimic what we saw in Maryland. I mean, how are you modeling it? And is that TAM and that upward lift from an adult use conversion, what you think this is going to happen, what you think we should see um, there?
2: Yeah. And again, state by state, we're not as bullish on um, on some of the projections around around Pennsylvania I've I've seen some people say Pennsylvania is going to zoom to be a five billion dollar market. I hope it does, but we're certainly not underwriting that. And the reason we're not underwriting that is the already significant penetration of the medical market. And right. thinking about how does adult use really turn on that uh, turn on that market or that consumer that yeah. that didn't go and get a medical card. Um, and a lot of people like to look at Maryland and say, "Wow, Maryland's had explosive growth," but they only had I think it was three to three and a half percent penetration in the state for the medical card. So you had a higher penetration in Pennsylvania. Um, and when I look at the dispensary count and relative to where it is uh, in the state, I, I think, you know, they're absolutely going to see growth. But is that market going to go 2x in the first year? Probably yeah. not 2x, probably going to be up 50 to 70% maybe in the first year um, and then ultimately will become $3 billion market and then growing from there. Um, but I just don't see it getting to $5 billion. I know I saw somebody say it's going to Zoom to become a $5 billion market. I don't yeah. see that in the first few years.
1: At least that's I, not I how remember, we're underwriting
2: it. I'd I, rather I know we're talking, plan for a smaller know, market and be surprised.
1: Yeah, And then I know we're talking about Pennsylvania, but I mean, that I kind of just thought of something. Um, in your modeling, do you model, for instance, like Virginia coming online, adult use potentially concurrently with PA and how that neighboring jurisdiction could, I guess, detract? from sales growth?
2: Yeah. When we look at adult use sales growth, we, we usually look at, not usually, we always look at the States around it to understand what are those dynamics and how long will, uh, the interstate traffic persist back on my Missouri example. We don't think Kansas is coming online anytime soon. So we feel comfortable including that. Um, but for Pennsylvania, we do expect that at some point, Virginia is going to come online. Um, and so, yeah, we think that you'll see some decrease in traffic, but I actually think that with uh, with the growth in dispensaries and the increasing access um, for consumers in Pennsylvania as they ramp up the number of dispensaries in the state, I think you'll end up seeing any sort of pull from Virginia um, back into Virginia from Pennsylvania. I think you'll see it replaced by and large by in-state sales. Okay, Kind of
0: like, you know, when you outline uh, footnotes, important when reading earnings reports. When you look at this Pennsylvania market, you know, if you could share with our viewers, what are, I would say one to two, the most important like um, data analytics that you should look at when it comes to specific companies and individual markets and more specifically within the state of Pennsylvania, like what comes to mind?
2: Yeah, um, you know, frankly, a lot of it is proprietary stuff that we've accumulated over the last five years. So we have a schedule with every operator in the state of Pennsylvania. And we have a pretty good sense for the square footage of each one of their facilities on the cultivation facade on the cultivation side, and a fairly good estimate of what the canopy capacity is in the state. And we utilize that type of data to feed into a model that um, talks about price per pound, talks about medical patient penetration, and looks at some of the other states that have recently gone from adult use. So you know much of what I'm calling upon for this conversation is proprietary data that we've created. What I would say for folks that are looking at public data is really understand the licensing structure um, and understand the capacity that the individual operators in that state have created um, to the extent that they disclose it. If you really want to get into the dynamics in a particular state, it's really important to know how much capacity they have to grow and what are the what are the wholesale pricing mechanom- uh, excuse me economics uh, for them if they're on a wholesale side or, uh, or if they're on a retail side, whether those retail economics.
1: Well said. With 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 a market like PA, I mean, is there a certain and with the capital that you've deployed, is there a certain saturation point that you get to within the market, or a certain threshold? Or if you see a juicy deal out there that looks like it's going to be something that's going to be a value add to the portfolio, you guys deploy and and I guess still go further into a market um, like that.
2: Yeah, we want to stay disciplined around diversification. And we have a significant amount of capital in Pennsylvania. And it speaks to our belief that long term, that's going to be a quality market. Um, And so never say never. and, And certainly, we see deals from time to time in Pennsylvania. But we think for our investors, it's better to have diversification. And I think we've Um, We have our investments there and we're happy with them, um, but we're probably looking for more geographic diversification from there. And it's not a statement on Pennsylvania, but it's a statement on um, quality approach to portfolio construction and diversification.
0: Last thing I'll ask is that one day, if we ever see the day where every single state uh approves adult use and the industry changes drastically. Where do you think when it comes to overall revenue sales that the state of Pennsylvania will rank amongst them? Because as I said off the top, it's a big state. It's an important state for a lot of operators, but uh it's a competitive one. A lot of states are competitive, but it's a hot topic uh when it comes to conversations that we have with our viewers pertaining to Pennsylvania. So where do you think this ranks in the grand scheme of things over the coming years?
2: Yeah, I think it ranks pretty much with its population in terms of it, it'll be a top quartile performing market. Um, it, it could actually outperform its uh, it could outperform its rank as population uh, in states due to the nature of the of the population that resides. I've seen some analysis that suggests the income stratification of residents within Pennsylvania um, presents itself as more attractive to a cannabis consumer or more consistent with a cannabis consumer as opposed to the income stratification of some other states um and so some people say oh that's blue collar workers are consuming cannabis more than white collar workers um i haven't seen enough data to say that's for certain but i think for sure Pennsylvania will be up there as one of the top states and operators going to want to be in in this country
0: i think we'd argue there's probably a lot of white collar people that consume cannabis too now though don't you think just not
2: talking about it yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. well this has been good and i think this is the uh, first of many markets uh anyone leave a comment below what you think of the feedback that basically anthony provided regarding the pennsylvania market what is the next state that you want us to cover leave your comments below and as usual like this video share this video through network click on that bell for all notifications and make sure to subscribe to our channel anthony And Anthony, appreciate the time for a deep dive into Pennsylvania. And we'll check up with you a little bit later to see what market
2: we're going to cover next. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, sir.
0: Hey everyone, so how are you surviving these tough market conditions right now? Are there any emerging industries that you want us to cover? Any guests that you want us to interview? Then leave a comment below and let us know who you want us to source out. As usual, share this video with your network, smash that like and notification bell, and as usual, and most importantly, subscribe to our channel because we would not be here without you. Thanks for watching, everyone.